Face off to the left of Grand Pure. Doug Smith out. Darrell Evans and Bozak, an all-rookie front line. Wells and Chartra back. Smith on the draw. Shot by Evans. He scores! Oh! You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. However, the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. It's time for another installment in our 50 Kings series, and today we've got a conversation with Daryl Evans. Newer fans will know him as the well-dressed color commentator, but older fans will always remember him scoring the game winner in the Miracle on Manchester and then celebrating like a lunatic the length of the ice while his teammates and everybody else at the forum went absolutely insane. This is the third podcast we're releasing over a two-day span, and we've got more coming later this week, so you guys, subscribe now. I know that I always remind you to, but really, you'd be doing yourself a favor. Or if you can't bookmark it because you don't listen on a podcatcher, bookmark the Stitcher app on your laptop if that's how you listen. Uh, The episodes are going to pile up. You're not going to want to miss any of them. Yesterday, we posted a conversation with John Rosen and Jack Wilson, plus a rain update and a post-game reaction to the Montreal Canadiens game. It's a lot of podcasts, you guys, and they're all great. So subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. And currently, the easiest way to find an archive of past episodes you may have missed is to go to the All the Kings Men page at Stitcher. But we are currently working on a better way to get you older episodes. So subscribe now. Never miss an episode. Here is the inspirational, the incredible, Daryl Evans. Do it, Dave. As the Kings continue to celebrate our 50th anniversary, our 50 Kings series continues at LAKings.com. And our guest this week, in his 18th season as Kings radio analyst, he does some TV work as well, Jesse. I think we've all seen that. The man with the shiny suits, Daryl Evans. Daryl, thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Always, always a treat talking with you guys. Ninth round draft pick by the Kings, 178th overall in 1980. Daryl, you get drafted in the ninth round. What's your immediate thought? How did, first of all, how did it happen? And then what is your immediate thought after that? Well, immediate thought after that is, uh, you know, I think you're just uh, you're a little bit in shock. Uh, you know, it's a big relief to finally know that, you, you know, you've been drafted into the National Hockey League. Uh, definitely, you know, something you should dream about quite a bit as a kid growing up playing the game in Canada. And, um, you know, I think once that kind of kicks in and, you know, then you look at the place that uh, the draft unit being the Los Angeles Kings, for me, it was, uh, you know, kind of a untraditional type of hockey market at that particular time. So it was, uh, it was just a, you know, a great feeling, uh, you know, being at the old forum in Montreal, hearing your name being called out and, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, there's a team in the National Hockey League that you're going to be going to a training camp and uh, with a chance to play at the, you know, the highest level in the world. So what was the transition like, you being from Toronto, making the switch to L.A., coming here, uh, playing at the Forum? What was that like for you? 
Well, it was it was different. Uh, you know, growing up in Toronto, uh, you know, basically hockey hotbed of the world. Uh, hockey on every corner. You know, all the ponds are frozen in the winter, and you know, on TV you're watching hockey all the time. But uh, you know, coming down here it was. Uh, you know, it was needless to say at the infant stages of uh, of where hockey is today. Uh, but it, it was cool. Uh, you know, you come to a city like this, uh, just to, you know, the environment, being by the water, the beaches, uh, that type of thing, and you know, seeing the fabulous form for the first time. Which uh, it was just a you know a great building to look at, and uh, it, it, it was special. Uh, I don't think you know. I think uh, any time, regardless of how long that you play in a city, or you know how many teams that you play for, I think that first team that you get drafted by and start with is, is always special and uh, I've always had that you know that special feeling of being drafted by the Kings and being given the opportunity to you know to play in the National Hockey League by them. You were drafted in 1980 uh, then you in the 1980-81 season you went and played for the Brantford Alexanders um, in 58 games you had 112 points what can you tell us about that season Woo! and how eager you were to, uh, to to make it to the National Hockey League after having been drafted? Well, you know that was that was a big year. I, guess I just finished getting traded from Niagara Falls, where I spent the first two years of my junior career, and uh, went to Brantford. Uh, and I got a chance to play with some great hockey players. Uh, I played with Mike Bullard, who went on to play uh, in the National Hockey League, and I believe he scored fifty uh, with Pittsburgh the one year. He was our centerman. Uh, Mark Hunter, who played with Montreal, he was he was my right winger. So uh, I got to play on a great line, and uh, you know we had a team that. Uh, you know, really underachieved, you know, come the end of the year, we got beat out early in the playoffs. And um, it was unfortunate because we had a lot of firepower, a lot of guys that went on to play in the National Hockey League. But uh, for whatever the reason, we couldn't put it together and, uh, you know, translate it into, into victories at the right time of the year. Uh, closing out that that last year of junior, um, the Central League, and uh, that was uh, where L.A. had their uh, farm team, they had folded earlier during the year, and a lot of the players were sent to Saginaw in the International League. And I got called up by Saginaw as my junior career come to an end, and I got a chance to play in the last weekend of the regular season, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. And uh, I was able to, you know, get in the lineup, and I scored in each and every the game, each in the, the three games. I had a goal and assist in each of the three games, so I had six points over the weekend. And I got asked uh, by Don Perry, who was the coach of that team. Uh, to you know, to hang around and be kind of an extra guy in the playoffs, and you know, I, I took that opportunity to be there, practice with the team, and you know, see what it was like to live as a professional hockey player, uh, even even at, even in the international league. And it was special. They went on to win the championship that year, and then uh, the next season, uh, Don Perry was named the uh, coach of the American Hockey League team, which was the New Haven Nighthawks. So I had already built a little bit of history with him, and eventually went on to play for Don, not only in New Haven, but also when he when he came to Los Angeles, uh, played for him here as well. Daryl, you, throughout your career, uh, and even now in your uh, post-playing career as an analyst, you've always worked your butt off. I mean, for lack of a better word, I'm constantly impressed when I watch you skating with fans or with uh, young kids. Where did you develop that work ethic? And, uh, and and when, at what age did you know you had a shot at making the National Hockey League? Well, I, I was kind of a late starter. I didn't start playing the game until I was eight years old. My dad had never played the game, never even skated. Um, I think uh, from the standpoint of the work ethic, you know, I think it's something that, you know, you learn from, you know, the environment that you grow up in and that's your family. And, uh, you know, my dad was somebody that went to work every day and my mom worked hard around the house and, uh, you know, so I think the, the work ethic and the accountability, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, you kind of get from day one. Uh, 
um, I think from the standpoint of, you know, in, in my hockey, uh, you know, as a youngster, you dream about it. I think it probably started to kick into reality, you know, when you become, you know, 14, 15 years of age of playing junior hockey at that time. And, uh, you know, it, it looked like, it, you know, something that could possibly, you know, come about and, you know, you just continue to keep working. But I think from the, you know, the work ethic standpoint, uh, you know, I was always a little on the smaller side, so I had to make up with it with, uh, you know, speed, strength, uh, skating ability and that kind of stuff. And so I worked on the things that I could control. And, uh, you know, those are the things that eventually got me to, uh, you know, to, to where I got to. You scored one of the biggest goals in Kings history. Uh, any retrospective on the franchise will necessarily involve the highlight of you uh, celebrating down the ice at the forum. What can you tell us about uh, the goal you scored in the Miracle on Manchester? Well, you know, you know, when you get an opportunity to be put in a situation like that, I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that you dream about. Uh, you know, you look at that game, the way it went. There are so many, so many side stories, uh, you know, in, in that in that series, you know, being that Edmonton had finished 46 points ahead of us during the regular season. Uh, the first game of the series, we went into Edmonton, we beat them 10-8. Uh, that's still a record in National Hockey League, 18 goals combined by two teams in a playoff game. Uh, and then the next night, Gretzky scores in overtime to beat us three-two, and you know, then the, you know the the miracle game comes on. And you know, again, I, I was ejected from the game, or re, you know, put in the put in the locker room for the last uh, ten minutes, nine minutes, and fifty-six seconds of the third period. They had those uh, those phantom uh, misconducts for hanging around when there was an altercation <laughs> on the ice. So uh, we were in the locker room. So you know, just kind of you know, watching, listening to you know your team come back. You know, you just kind of wish you get an opportunity and you know I, I you know, that was something that I was you know looking forward to and you know the scenario that I went into was something that really you know fed into my strength and that was you know being uh you know at a face off in the offensive zone and you know Doug Smith won the face off and you know I just put the puck towards the net and you know it was you know it was a goal that uh you know I probably learned I've learned to appreciate so much more you know in the years past and actually at that moment and you know when you look at the game it's been around for 100 years and you've never seen anything like that accomplished before in the playoffs it uh i think it magnifies on you know what a moment that was and you know something that i'll never forget and something i'll always cherish and uh you know the guys that were on that team it, it was it was really special and we went on to win the series which which made it even better how often do you get fans mentioning to you that they were there that night well, aside from you two guys, no, <laughs> no, it's funny. Like over the years, you know, the amount of people that you know that kind of come up to you at different times, and you know, whether it's right here in Los Angeles or you know surrounding areas, some of the rinks that we go to, uh, it's almost seemed like we played that game in the Rose Bowl that night that there was a hundred thousand seats. But uh, no, there was a lot of people that you know that that were at that game, I and mean, I think a lot of it has to speak, uh, you know, to the way how many fans that we've had, how many loyal fans. That had for so many years whether it was you know my dad was at the game or so-and-so was at the game so it's it's neat that you know that they are able to kind of send that message down and share it with uh, you know for you know for their uh, generations and their own families but it's neat for to the, you know to talk to the actual people that were were in that building and watched it all happen and you know some you know some of the people that have watched your career right from day one so that, that's special that uh, you know people remember that and it's nice to know a lot of the players involved in that game have gone on to become involved with the Kings later, post-playing days. Uh, Dave Taylor, Jim Fox, obviously uh, Wayne Gretzky was here as a player after that. Uh, Mark Hardy is coached. Uh, is it rewarding to you to see those familiar faces now still involved with the franchise so many years later? 
Yeah, it is. You know, I think, you know, anytime that you're part of a team, anybody that's involved in, you know, been involved in sports or, you know, I guess it probably, you know, say would be to say if you're with a company and you're, you know, you, you develop, a, you know, that type of a family uh, environment within the, your coworkers. Um, you know, I think when you can go down and, you know, we're looking at coming up on 35 years in, in April that, that that moment happened, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, interact, you know, with the, with the individuals and be able to, you know, talk to them and, you know, kind of, you know, share, share that and have that, that history between you. I think it, it is something special and, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's great to be able to, you know, when we do get a chance to cross paths with guys to, to be able to reminisce and, and talk a little bit about it. And, you know, even players from the Oilers are on the other side of things. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's always, it's always, it's always cool. To, and I just think it, and it, uh, you know, kind of speaks, you know, a lot about, you know, the character, you know, guys that play in our game, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, they're so, they're so genuine. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of those guys that, even though I didn't spend a lot of time with them, you know, in my playing career, uh, I think, you know, you develop relationships that last a lifetime. We uh, spoke to Mario Lassard, who said you almost didn't get a chance to score that game winning goal in overtime because he almost coughed up the puck. And <laughs> luckily Mark Messier missed the net. And I think Mark Hardy was kind of playing goalie at that time, sliding into the net. What do you remember about that about that uh, play by Mario and what almost cost your game-winning goal? <laughs> uh, Mario was just trying to make the stage a little bit uh, a little bit greater that <laughs> night. <laughs> no, I, I remember watching him make his way out to the blue line there, and uh, <laughs> he was backstroking, trying to get back to the net as Messier was trying to put that puck in the net. And you know, I think I think by that time, you know, when you see moments like that happen. Uh, you know, I think we were just destined to, to win that hockey game that night. That from what we, you know, the the hurdle that we, you know, gone gone over to to get to where we were, that we weren't going to be denied. So that just put a, just a little bit more drama on it. And uh, yeah, Mark Hardy was right there in the net playing goaltender. And I remember looking at the, and you can even see it, you know, on the tape when you look back at it. Uh, Mario making his way back to the crease. It, how grateful and thankful he was that that puck didn't end up in the back of the net because I'm sure he would have uh, still been feeling it today if that one did go did go in and you know we weren't able to accomplish uh, what we did eventually to you know to complete the comeback and win. What was the conversation like between the second and third period? You're down five nothing. Is it is it yelling and screaming or is it completely the opposite and just hey let's we've got nothing to lose here let's go out and try to win this thing. Well, I, I think the big thing is, you know, that was game three of the series. This is a series that we weren't supposed to be in anyway. We were supposed to get swept in three games. Right. Um, so I think we probably already accomplished more than anybody expected of us having one, you know, one game already. And, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a three, we're probably in a five game series and we're in game three of the series. And, you know, uh, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're tied up. So um, I think the mindset and uh, the conversation, as I recall, was just to go out and, and win a period, um, you know, win the period and try to take some momentum into game four. Not to say the fact that, you know, we, we thought we were beat, but, you know, there, you don't want to look at the big at the big picture because, you know, the big picture was daunting. You're down by five goals against one of the most explosive teams in the game at that particular time. So um, I think that's that's what we did. We just focused upon that, that we were going to kind of peck away and, and uh, you know, win the period and then, uh, you know, try to go from there and also to – you know, from the standpoint of our fans, you know, they, they watched the first two games on TV and watched what we accomplished in Edmonton coming back to L.A. with a split that, you know, we didn't want to disappoint them. And, and we sure did that in the first two periods by falling back by five. So um, it was just, uh, you know, the pride factor kicked in and, you know, we, the focus was to win a period and then uh, see what we could do from there. 
Were you surprised with the other five guys who scored that night? You look at the Charlie Simmers, sure, Steve sure, Bozek, uh, Jay Wells, Doug Smith. I, I mean, were you shocked at all by the fact that it was those guys that scored the goals, or was it just kind of yeah, these are the guys who have been kind of getting this done the whole the whole season for us? Yeah, I, I don't think you know you're shocked ever. Uh, you know, as to let's say guys that put the puck in the net. I mean. You know, at the end of the day, you might be a little bit surprised at you know, uh, you know the guys that, that, that score some goals, but uh, you know they're they're put on the ice for a reason. Everybody everybody on your roster, you know, has got a position, and not necessarily everybody's a goal scorer. But we all know when it comes to playoff time, that's you know that's usually an opportunity where your top players are are covered quite a bit. You know, in this case, it would have been the Dion's, the Taylors, and that kind of stuff, and. Uh, you know, so it kind of opened up, opened up doors for other guys to, you know, to, uh, be able to shine a little bit. And, and that was the case. And, uh, Jay, you know, Jay Wells got things going just a couple of minutes into the period with a shot from the point. And, you know, it was, it was, it was just good that, uh, you know, some, some of your role players, uh, you know, take part in that kind of stuff. And, you know, even myself as a rookie, you know, there was, there was no expectation of me, you know, accomplishing what I did in the playoffs that year. So, you know, we're, you know, those type of situations, guys like that kind of fly under the radar and, uh, like I say, if you can take advantage of opportunities that are put before you, uh, your team's going to do well. You don't have to brag, but I'll do it for you. You just said you were a rookie. You led the Kings in playoff scoring that year, 13 points, five goals, eight assists. Uh, to say it's it wasn't expected, I, you'd probably say it wasn't expected. So what was what led to your success that playoff season? Uh, just getting an opportunity to play. Um, you know, one one real side note, uh, interesting side note, uh, prior to the playoffs that year, um, the roster in the NHL was 19 players. That's when it got expanded to 20. And uh, Don Perry, I remember Don Perry approaching me, um, you know, before the series started in Edmonton, and, and it was a very similar conversation that I had uh, the year before when I was with uh, New Haven and in uh, Saginaw. And you know, he just uh, you know saw and talked to me a little bit about the you know the 14 games that I played in, and you know, good opportunity to get, you know, ready for camp the next year. And, you know, with the playoffs starting, I probably wasn't going to get an opportunity to play because everybody was healthy. And then when the roster got expanded to 20 guys, you know, he kind of, he said that, uh, you know, he's trying to sneak, you know, get me in the lineup there, but, you know, wasn't going to be playing too much. So I went from, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe being a, a cheerleader on the bench that, uh, you know, an opportunity came about and, you know, I was poised and ready, you know, to take advantage of it. And, um, you know, and then looking at, you know, at the end of it, when it was all said and done, you know, having led the team in scoring in the playoffs, that was, that was a you know, very, very, uh, you know, it was something that you don't expect to do. And it was, uh, I think I even surprised myself a little bit, but throughout my career, I've always been, you know, a, a goal scorer, a point getter. Um, so, you know, I took advantage of an opportunity that was given to me and, you know, to, to go into a playoff series and, you know, and then playoff round, and, you know, and, and do you know do what I did as an individual uh, was cool. Uh, what a nice night to see us extend our, our run into the playoffs. Uh, you know to see how far we could have taken it, but you know unfortunately we ran into a red hot Vancouver Canuck team the next uh, the next series, and you know things came to an abrupt end. But uh, it was uh, you know definitely a playoff series that uh, I have a lot to be proud of. Uh, you know what I what I accomplished in you know in my first in my first uh, shot at the playoffs and. You know, I look back at you know game one that you know, that we won ten eight and uh, in that particular game I had two goals and two assists and that was my first playoff game I was the first star in hockey night in Canada and it was uh, you know it was a dream come true as a kid from Canada. In your career as a broadcaster, have you had the opportunity to see players 
that that were in a similar position as you were, and to maybe offer them uh, advice or mentorship uh, to, to you know to bolster their spirits in a similar situation. You know, I look at I look at Alec Martinez. You know, when he when he accomplished what he did back in 2014, and um, you know, just seeing him, you know, have been given the opportunity and put in situations that you know he was able to excel in, and uh, you know, it's it's great to see you know a guy like that that you know hadn't been in that position, like or didn't have that kind of a role or an expectation within our team, and you know, you see all the efforts that he puts forth and you know, the goals that he scored. I mean, uh, you, 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 I don't think you can say or any, you know, any bigger goals in, you know, in our franchise history than, you know, the ones that he scored in that series, you know, against Chicago and then against the Rangers. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's as big a stage as you can get. So I think that, you know, that's when it really jumps out at me because I think, you know, when you go into it, he's not the guy that you expect to be getting your overtime winners. And, uh, you know, it was a great, great, great opportunity for him. And uh, I think it's something that he'll always cherish and probably even more so eventually when he goes on and has a family and, and later on in life. You've had the opportunity to play in L.A. and now, again, to be a broadcaster in L.A. What's the most alarming thing to you about the evolution of the franchise or the fan base or just the popularity of hockey in Southern California from when you played? Well, I think, you know, going back to, to day one when I first came out here, it was, it was kind of taken by us almost seemed like how far behind that hockey was. Uh, didn't expect that. Uh, kind of, you know, the equivalent of a maybe an eight, nine year old kid in Canada was the equivalent of maybe a 15, 16 year old kid in California at that time. So uh, I remember getting involved in, you know, the youth camps right off the bat. Uh, I remember, you know, as an organization, we went up to Lake Arrowhead and, uh, you know, and so it's something that I've been involved in, you know, from day one. So to watch it grow the way it has, uh, it, it's been great. It's, uh, you know, very, very rewarding. Uh, you know, for the for the efforts that you know been put into it, um, you know, see the American Hockey League here now. Um, when we started our Little Kings program, when we opened the rink up here in '99, um, you know, we had a version of it that, at that time. Uh, we, you know, calling it Little Kings, and you know, we started the, you know the women's hockey and, and things like that. And now we have girls programs. So just to see the way that it's you know the way that it's continued to keep growing and growing in the efforts, uh, you know, the new teams coming into California. Uh, again, the American League, you know, and then we, you know, talk about the growth of the National Hockey League with Anaheim, you know, San Jose, uh, you know, Arizona, and you know, now Las Vegas coming in. I mean, this, this is, just, it's, it's amazing what has happened, and you know, it seems like a short period of time, but you know, it's, it's been a lot of years, but uh, there's been a lot accomplished, and I think we're just, you know, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. If we can ever get some more rinks built, uh, you know, in the communities, I think you're going to see this grow, this, uh, this sport grow, even to levels that, uh, you know. I might not even be able to, uh, you know, to think about it, but I think if, uh, if we can get to that point, uh, it's going to be incredible. And we're going to continue to keep seeing kids, you know, get, you know, develop here and get, uh, get fed into the NHL. Uh, Daryl, after your playing time in Los Angeles, you've played in uh, New Haven, uh, Washington, DC, Binghamton, New York, uh, Toronto. Uh, you played for uh, the new market saints. And if I'm not mistaken, the Whitley warriors in the British hockey league, yeah, I went to uh, went to Europe at the end of my career. The first year, I actually went to I went to Italy my first year. A little town called Val Gardena, just inside the Austrian border. Went over there as a as a player and led the league in scoring there. Um, that was a, a great experience uh, living in the Alps. Just picturesque, uh, great lifestyle. Uh, short season. My son was just born, so I got to spend a lot of time with him up there. 
And then uh, the following year, I went to England as a player coach, a little town in Whitley Bay along uh, along the North Sea up in uh, by Newcastle. And I uh, was a part of a team that uh, was in last place the year before. We ended up getting beat out in the country final uh, against uh, a team, uh, Cardiff, down, down south. But it, it was a, a great experience as well. Uh, and that's where I went into coaching. I actually took over coaching there and uh, really, really enjoyed that time in England. Uh, you know, different the different communities uh, from Italy, England, uh, you know, just uh, you know different parts of the world, and you know, just to see the way that you know they they look upon hockey, and you know, being that we were import players, uh, you know, each each team was only allowed two imports at the time. Uh, you know, they they really put you on a pedestal there. So that was a great experience. Uh, something I'll you know I'll always remember in my life and uh you know two great cities uh two you know two different completely different environments but uh it was it was something that was really neat and i enjoyed my experiences and glad that i glad that i went over there to play i'm looking at some stats here from your time on the whitley warriors is it possible that you scored 40 points in eight games uh in the playoffs with with whitley <laughs> You know, the statistics over there, they get, they get, they're, they're a little different than they are here. We had, we had some high scoring games there. Uh, I remember one game that we played, uh, we ended up being beating the team by a score of 10 to four. And, um, it was the second game of the season. We'd won our first game by a score of four to two. First game of the season, I had three goals and an assist, and the other Canadian kid had uh, three assists and a goal. <laughs> and then game two, we won 10 four and I had eight goals. <laughs> and he had, uh, I think he had something like seven or eight assists in the game. He was the playmaker, needless to say, and, and I and I had the shot over there. And our coach got fired because we, we didn't win enough in those games. So uh, there's there's a there's a lot of scoring in those in those league in those games over there. Uh, my year my year in uh, in in Italy when I played in Italy. I can't remember exactly how many games it was, but uh, I know I scored well over a hundred goals, and we only played. 30 something games. So it, uh, there's, there's a lot of scoring going on over there. But uh-huh. I think the next closest, next closest guy in the league in scoring was 50 or 60 goals. in me. So I was a little bit above, you know, above, uh, you know, the average over there. But, um, you know, since then, I'm sure their hockey is, is growing quite a bit. Their goaltending's gotten a little bit better, but, uh, if you want to patch, if you, if you wanted to patch your stats, that was a place to go for a couple of years. <laughs> so you traveled, literally traveled the world playing hockey, uh, half stick will travel. What brought you back to Los Angeles? Well, I had actually, uh, my, that's that year when I was in, uh, in England, uh, we got beat out in the country final and I actually negotiated a three year deal to go back there and, uh, and coach, uh, the following season again. And just happened to be at the, uh, kind of like at a barbecue gathering with some people in the summer and people are kind of inquiring as to what I was going to do when I was going to retire. And I told them that you know, I'd kind of gotten into, into some you know coaching and that, and you know, that was kind of maybe a path that I was going to go down. Uh, I met a gentleman that, uh, you know, that uh, thought that I would be good in the car business and the automobile business. And uh, I told him I knew nothing about it. I told him I didn't even know where the key goes in most cars. And, uh, he invited me down to a meeting the next day and I went and met with him and bang within a 20 minute conversation. I had retired you know, from hockey. I left a three year contract on the table and, and I got involved in the automobile business. And, uh, that was, uh, another, another, uh, very special chapter in my life. Uh, I spent seven years in, in that industry. And, uh, it was a great learning experience. Learned a lot about, you know, a lot about the, you know, the corporate world and things like that. And, 
Uh, and uh, I excelled in it. It was something I, I, I turned out to be very good at. And uh, like I say, I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience that, you know, still uh, I still look back upon it and look at some of the relationships and people that I met. And I'm, I'm still involved with a lot of those people. And weren't you salesman of the year for a couple of years running there? Uh, yeah, it was um, my first year. Uh, I think I, I think I ranked. It was in dealerships our size. I think I ranked uh, third or fourth in the country, and I only sold for about a quarter of the year. And then uh, the next seven years after that, I reached master manager status. Uh, Another team's rookie season for Daryl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was. I mean, it's something I, I really, you know, you talk about, you know, committing yourself and, and you know, going in, going all in. Uh, I remember my my second year. In that in that uh, in, in that industry, I worked 363 days my second year, but uh, I absorbed a lot, and uh, you know, went from a, basically a green pea, you know, somebody that didn't know anything about the industry, to you know, master manager status in a, in a short period of time. And I had some great people around me that I was a big sponge. I absorbed a lot, and uh, you know, I, uh, I applied it, and it, uh, it it paid dividends, and I was able to achieve what I did in, in that industry. Tell people how you then made the transition from selling cars into getting into the broadcasting end of things, first radio and then TV as well. Uh, I think, you know, getting back involved with the Kings, um, it's uh, kind of a little bit of a funny story. Sam McMaster had just been hired as the general manager for the Kings, and I was at the airport picking up my brother, who happened to be on the same flight as Sam McMaster, and I knew Sam. He was my manager from when I was playing hockey back in nine years of age back in Canada in uh, Toronto. So he just kind of asked me what I was doing, and I told him I was in the automobile, in, you know, business, and you know, I managed a Cadillac dealership. And he said, "Oh, he says, you know, give me one of your cars." He said, "I'm going to need a car, and you know, we'll see what we can do." And you know, I'll be damned if I didn't get a call the next morning that <laughs> it was Sam. And, you know, and I guess uh, whoever he was working with within the organization at that time. You know, said to uh, you know to get a hold of me and, and try to piece something together, and we eventually did. And uh, you know what what we what we had the deal that we had in place actually involved uh, the thirty second uh, radio radio uh, cut, and um, period of time went by. And remember the Kings reaching out saying, "Hey, you know, you guys have got a thirty second you know commercial to cut, and you know who's going to do it for you?" So. I approached the people in my dealership. I said, you know, hey, they're, you know, they've got a little bit of heat on us. They want, you know, want to, they want to cut that 30 second commercial. But, so they said, well, why don't you go do it? And I said, okay, if you want, I'll go do it. So I went and I met Nick and, uh, we cut it before a game. And, uh, unfortunately that particular game that, um, uh, I went to do it at Mike Allison, who was working the radio with, uh, with Nick at that particular time, he had, uh, he was a little late getting to that particular game. Um, there had been some issue with uh, somebody in the family. I'm not sure if it was a death in the family or something, but he was going to be flying back the next morning to to go uh, address something back home. And uh, the Kings, they all had a game coming up in, in a day or something like that, maybe even the next night. And I asked Nick who was going to do the game with him, and he he wasn't sure you know, if there was anybody around. So I told him I would do it with him, and that's how I got my first game. And um, it was it was kind of interesting, and then uh, we went back and forth with the Kings for a little bit. And Cami Granado came on, and when Cami came on, she was a member of the national uh, team, and she had some games that she uh, you know she couldn't commit to. So they asked me to fill in and do those games, and I think I ended up doing 17 games uh, in the 98-99 season. Uh, then eventually led to uh, my full time hiring in the 99-2000 campaign. 
um, when we uh, when we moved into Staples Center. Uh, so so that was how the radio radio kind of came about. And in the same time, almost kind of in that same uh, little uh, seemed like uh, eternity, but in that same few months, uh, they they come to me and addressed uh, about uh, being the general manager of the training facility in Sagan that was being built. So I took on that responsibility. Also took on the responsibility of director of suites and premier seat sales at Staples Center that was that was opening. So I had quite a few uh, helmets or hats on, so to speak, at that time. But it was uh, it was a it was a great time in my life. Uh, I learned a lot, and it uh, it brings me up to where I am today. And let's be honest. I mean, we all know Nick Nixon's a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but you're the glue that holds that radio broadcast together. Am I right or what? Come on, Daryl. What do you call me, Elmer? <laughs> no, you know what. Nick, Nick, Nick's so easy to work with. Uh, you know, I, I remember even prior, you know, to starting to work with Nick, and you know, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, at the end of the day, whether, uh, you know, just being in the car, I used to listen to the games, and you know, so stepping into the booth with him, and you know, trying to, you know, you know, fit and fit into, uh, you know, into his show, so to speak, uh, it was easy because you know, I had I had listened to him for so many years. And, you know, knew the way that he called the game. And, and so, and, you know, he's been great as have Bob and Jim. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate the experience that, you know, when I went in there as green as I was, that, you know, the experience that I had surrounding me was great. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've got a special group. You know, you look at the longevity of, you know, of uh, Bob and Nick and the positions that they're in. Uh, you know, and then Jim, you know, he very similar you know story to me, he, you know, stepping out after playing the game and then and getting involved in it. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's done a remarkable job throughout his career and continues to keep getting better and better. And so it's, it's, it's great, uh, you know, being amongst those guys, you know, for so many years and, and being able to, you know, to, to learn from them and, and, and to, you know, to do the job that I do. Daryl, you've become a completely, uh, integral part of the Kings broadcast and the Kings family. Um, side note, one of my most prized possessions is a puck signed by you, Jim, uh, Nick and Bob. Uh, but over the years, you've developed your own persona and your own flair for the job. Uh, Dave mentioned at the top of the conversation the man with the shiny suits. When did you uh, when did you decide to lean in so hard on uh, on the flashy <laughs> suits? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I've, I've always I've always liked to I've always liked to dress. Uh, I've always taken a lot of pride in the way that I dress. I've you know I've always I've always felt very comfortable in a suit and. I like things that are kind of a little bit on a different side. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, as a player, uh, you know, there's a period of time there that, you know, leather pants were in and leather ties. And that kind of stuff. So, you know, see, you know, you kind of step into that stuff. I remember down in, you know, even when I was down in New Haven wearing a fedora and that kind of stuff. So it was, you know, it, it, it's all fun stuff, but, uh, you know, I think from the standpoint of, you know, where it is today, it's, it, you know, I, I guess it's kind of, you know, become a little bit of, you know, part of, you know, you know, the, you know, what to expect from me and, and that, but uh, I enjoy it. It's just, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, some people say that, you know, it's you that, you know, it's, it's the life that comes out of you, you know, you wear those, you wear, you know, you wear suits that, uh, that really, you know, really kind of, you know, just bring out your character and your personality. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an outgoing type of person and, uh, you know, it's, it's just that uh, I feel comfortable in them, and like I'm always up for I'm always up for something a little bit new and something a little bit different. You mentioned that you came to the game of hockey late. Uh, you came to car sales a little bit late. You came to broadcasting a little bit late, and yet you've excelled at everything. It seems that you've tried. 
uh, and it sounds like you don't know how to take a day off. So my question is, if you ever were to leave broadcasting, what would be the next uh, arena for you to conquer? Because you, you're clearly good at everything you do. <laughs> you know, it, that, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at it, um, you know, I don't think I've ever planned on any of the careers that I've had other than, you know, maybe hockey growing up. And I don't necessarily say I planned that because it was probably more of a dream than a plan. Um, you know, the car business, it, you know, that kind of, that just happened overnight. I mean, I went from, you know, having a burger to barbecue to, you know, to get in the car business and then, you know, same thing, actually getting back into hockey with, you know, the sales and then managing, you know, the training center here. Um, I think it all goes back to, you know, still goes back to, you know, to square one and you know, it's your work ethic and, uh, your willingness to learn. Um, I think first and foremost, what I put what I put ahead of everything is is uh, relationships and communications with with people, um, you know, and from the people that have, you know, if, uh, that I've worked with and and for. I think that's you know, some of the things that have uh, have have jumped out is, is is the ability to be able to communicate and and to interact, and so that's something that uh, you know continue to keep you know trying to keep do you know regardless of what it's it what it is. Um, and uh, who who knows who you know who who knows what lays in the next chapter? It's uh, it's uh, you know I've been involved in you know, different organizations as well. I sit on the board with the American Heart Association. I've gotten involved with their stuff, and it's I just, I just like to help people out. Um, I, you know I, I love the growth of our game and getting involved in youth hockey. And, you know so that's something that you know I'll, you know I feel I'll always be part of. Uh, I've been teaching over forty five years now, and. It, that's something that never gets old. So it's just, uh, I just feel so, you know, so, uh, you know, so privileged and, uh, you know, into the, you know, what I've been given. So to give a little bit back into our game or society or whatever it is, the community, uh, you know, I'm willing to do it. So it's, uh, it's, it's just an easy transition. I think you're, if you if you're open minded and you're willing to work at something, you can achieve anything that you want to do. Well, I think I have a suggestion, Daryl, for the next. Uh, no, here we go. For the next, here we go. I think no, you should. I think you should write your memoirs because you have <laughs> a fascinating life, and uh, and I think your message uh, would really resonate. You were one of the first voices that I reached out to when I was building this podcast, and you've always been nothing but gracious and generous with your time. So I want to take this opportunity to thank you for helping me out personally. Ah, my pleasure. And, you know, and thanks for, you know, and thanks for reaching out. I mean, it's because of, you know, because of people like yourself, uh, you know, that we get a chance to tell our stories and, you know, some people will find them interesting. Others will, you know, they'll just kind of, you know, turn the other cheek upon them. But, you know, I think, you know, I think everybody has got a story to tell. And I think everybody's got a path, you know, that they've gone down and some be, you know, some are a little bit more interesting than others. But again, you know, to, to ourselves, they're all unique in their own way. So, you know, again, congratulations on the job that you do and, you know, getting, getting all these stories out and, you know, and let people kind of, you know, to, to learn sides of us that, uh, you know, that they, they might not know about. So that's, uh, you know, tip, I tip my hat off to you for that. So, so Daryl, uh, after all these years with the organization, playing for the organization, being a broadcaster for so many years, it comes to 2012 and the Kings win their first Stanley cup and you're in the booth calling the game and, and Nick's doing the play-by-play, and Kings are up significantly. They know they've got the game in the bag. What's going through your mind at that point after so many years with this team? You know, it's it, it's so many emotions and so many thoughts going through your mind at that particular time because, you know, you when you when you watch it from the outside, um, you know, 
it, you, you see it happen, you see it evolve. And I think you, you know, like if you, if you look like an overtime game or let's say it's a game seven or something, and something that you really can't plan. But that game, you know, kind of the way it went when we, you know, when we took the lead and took, took command, uh, you know, is I think there was a period of time there. It almost seemed like, like time stopped because you, you know, you're thinking about all those things and, you know, how am I going to think, you know, what am I going to say? And, and, you know, I think it just, you know, it gives you time to kind of reflect upon, you know, what a moment it was, but, you know, I remember when, you know, when Nick, you know, eventually, you know, said, you know, the Kings are, you know, won the Stanley Cup, they won, you know, they won the championship. I just, at that point there, you know, everybody, you know, asked me, well, what did you say? I just, I just listened to Nick. It was, you know, it was, you know, it was just, it was the words that I want, you know, you've always wanted to hear and, you know, the way he delivered it. And it was, it was, it was an unbelievable moment. And I don't think any words need to be spoken, you know, just to listen to the crowd and, you know, just taking a look at, you know, the people around us, you know, broadcasters included that, you know, just the emotion, uh, you know, the, the expressions on people's faces, it was, it was something that you'll, you'll never forget. And, you know, we could go on, we could win 10, 15, 20 more of them, but I don't think anything will ever, uh, you know, you'll ever be able to, uh, to, to match, uh, you know, with that emotion that, that we shared there in, in 2012. I mean, it was, it was something that, uh, you know, it was very, very, very special to be part of. I would imagine there were a lot of uh, not only high fives, but probably some hugs and uh, emotional things going on in the booth at that time, both the radio booth and the TV booth. Oh, yeah, high fives. And then with Foxy, you know, lower fives because he's not quite as tall. But no, uh, no but yeah, no, there, that, no, there's a lot, of, you know, a, lot, a lot of that emotion. And uh, yeah, there were, you know, there's some, there some teary eyes, uh, you know, tears of joy. I mean, you know, stuff like that, you just, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't plan. It's just, uh, you know, you know, if you sit there and ask me tomorrow, you know, if you win the cup tomorrow, how are you going to act? You have, you have no idea. And I think, I think that's what, what is really the most unique thing about it is it, it's in that moment and, you know, in, in getting involved in that moment. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, truly what we saw. And, you know, you know, Jim is a player, myself as a player, you know, we never had that, you know, that honor to be able to, you know, raise the cup as a player or to, you know, to be part of a Stanley cup championship team. Um, so it, uh, I think, you know, even as, even as in the positions that we are in and, you know, all of us as broadcasters and how close we've been to the organization and how much time we've put in with the organization, uh, you know, the way that we've been treated, we, you know, we all felt part of it. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what kind of make it, made it real cool. Like, you know, you, you look at a punter as a job, but I think we, we really, we all feel, you know, I speak for myself, but I think we all feel part of the team and that's why it was as special as it was. You uh, coached the UCLA club team for a couple of seasons. You won the Pac-8 uh, title. You went on in the national championship game. You were the coach of the year both years. Do you miss coaching? Is it something you might want to get back into at some point or not? Yeah, you know, co- coaching's cool. And, uh, and, and, you know, to say I miss it, yeah, you know, I guess I miss it. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm involved in coaching in in different respects almost every day you know like teaching individuals i do all our camps and or not all our camps i do a lot of our camps and clinics uh so you know i do get that coaching uh that coaching element you know in in my in my routine uh, uh you know quite consistently and it's something i always look forward to uh you know i i, I think i do a great job at communicating you know with with players um, you know, and, you know, you never know. I mean, if, if there's something like that were to come around, you know, who knows, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I have no interest in it. Um, I'm not saying, you know, it's something that I would pursue, but, uh, you, know, you, you just never know. And, uh, but, uh, I remember those years with UCLA and, 
accomplishing what we did there and, uh, you know, being named, you know, uh, pack eight coach of the year, two years in a row. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. I and mean, even though it was a league that, you know, it, uh, it's just club hockey in that uh, still to be recognized, you know, as, as in that position is, it was pretty good. And you know, I remember the relationships that I had with, you know, the, the students that I had and I learned a lot from them and it was great. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was uh, one of those, you know, again, one of those chapters in, in life that you look back at. And uh, I'm glad I had, you know, was able to have that experience and it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, Daryl, I know Jesse thanked you earlier. And, and for those that don't know, as the manager of the, uh, uh, alumni relations and the LA Kings alumni association for all the work that you do. Thank you. Because if it's a clinic in Bakersfield on a Sunday or an appearance in Oceanside for the sled hockey team or whatever it is, you seem to always be there. And I can't thank you enough for that. And I know the people involved in those uh, events can't thank you enough as well. So thank you for doing that. And, and for doing this interview today, incredible stuff as always. You're an amazing person. Thanks for all you do for this organization. Now, I appreciate it, Dave, and you keep up your good work. We appreciate what you do, and you make everybody in that building uh, happy when they hear your voice coming out there, <laughs> Kings, announcing Kings goals and that. But it's great to see the way your career is, uh, has grown as well from when we first met. And keep up the good work, and uh, you know, you're part of a, you're part of this family that uh, you know everybody takes a, takes a lot of pride in. So you're, you're, you're a great addition to our family. Thanks, Daryl. I appreciate that. The left winger, he played for the Kings from 1981 to 1985. The one, the only, the best-dressed man in all of radio and, heck, American TV as well, right? you got to leave Don Cherry out of that. Daryl Evans, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Have a good day. For half a century, the Los Angeles Kings have been bringing excitement, passion, and Stanley Cup glory to Southern California, delighting our deeply loyal fan base by being a leader in incredible events and employing the greatest players in NHL history. The legacy continues as we celebrate our 50th anniversary, striving for innovation in a constant pursuit of excellence with a first-class commitment to our fans and partners and with an unmatched pledge to improving our community. We are all kings.